Join us now for Education Matters, a weekly look at the real people and real stories in education across North Carolina. Welcome to Education Matters, the public forum of North Carolina. I'm Keith Poston. A new commission created last year called My Future NC wants to develop a broad-based education agenda for North Carolina aimed at making the more competitive. The cross-sector group representing business, education, faith groups, government, nonprofits, and philanthropy plans to craft key goals for the state along with policy proposals on how to achieve them. This week on the show, we're joined by one of the My Future NC co-chairs as well as the commission's executive director to talk about what they've learned so far and what comes next. Before we tackle our main topic, we open with our headlines, a quick scan of education headlines across North Carolina and the U.S. North Carolina ranks 37th in the nation for average teacher pay, according to the latest data released Monday, up from 39th last year. North Carolina's average teacher salary is now $50,861, about $9,600 less than the national average of $60,000. The report also showed per-pupil spending in the Tar Heel State ranks 39th nationally, the same as last year. The controversy over a bill introduced by GOP State Representative Bill Brawley that would allow the town of Matthews to break away from Charlotte-Mecklenburg schools and form their own publicly funded charter school system took a bit of a nasty turn last week. The town rejected a proposal from CMS to study their concerns. CMS, in turn, ramped up its public opposition to the bill, and the CMS school board chair suggested they may need to explore reassigning Matthews students from Providence High in Charlotte to Butler High in Matthews, since having students attend locally is such a priority for the town. At the same time, there were media reports that Matthews officials told CMS school board members that they would withdraw support from the bill if the school board did not back a candidate seeking Representative Brawley's seat and if they fired former GOP State Representative Charles Jeter, who now works for CMS Government Affairs. We'll definitely keep an eye on that story. Last week, Governor Roy Cooper announced a new $130 million school safety proposal. His proposal includes $65 million for safety upgrades to public schools and buildings on community college and university campuses. Another $40 million would fund 500 positions for school counselors, psychologists, and nurses, while $10 million would pay for more school resource officers. Finally, Freebird McKinney, a social studies teacher at Walter M. Williams High School in Burlington, has been named the 2018 Burroughs Welcome Fund North Carolina Teacher of the Year. That's him on screen with current Teacher of the Year, Lisa Godwin. He will spend the next school year traveling the state as a teaching ambassador, and we'll have him on the show soon. Remember, you can visit the Public School Forum's website at ncforum.org and read more about each of the headlines as well as other topics we cover each week. As I said at the top of the show, My Future NC was created last year with some pretty ambitious goals, including helping craft a common education agenda covering birth through college for the state of North Carolina. It's a big goal, but they have a strong group of leaders engaged in this effort, and two of them are with us today. So I want to welcome to the show Christy Teske. Christy is the executive director of the commission. And next to her, we have Dell Jenkins. Dell is the CEO of Medical Mutual Holdings, but he is also the co-chair of My Future NC. You're co-chairing that along with UNC System President Margaret Spellings and Andrea from um, Andrea uh, Smith from Bank of America. Andrea Smith from Bank of America. Thank mm -hmm. you for reminding me of that. All right, so let's just jump in and talk a little bit about um, about My Future NC. Christy, I want to start with you as the executive mm -hmm. director. I guess. 
sort of big picture, what is the purpose? I mentioned a couple of the, um, the goals in my top, but you know, sort of why was it created and what is the um, sort of, you know, where did it come from? Yeah, what we're seeing in North Carolina is a disconnect from what our workforce needs are and who is able to get to those jobs. And a lot of that has to do with education. We're seeing uh, more and more that more than a high school diploma is needed in order to access the workforce of today and tomorrow. So with all of that and looking at the data of where over 60% by 2025 of our workforce needs more than high school, what do we do about that? Because right now we're at 47% in our state. Right. So we've got, I know we're going to pull, I think we're going to pull up on the screen. Mm -hmm. We've got a list of some um, of the sort of the key goals and outcomes you hope to. So we've, we've got them on the screen right now. Yeah, so one of our key goals is to build that comprehensive plan, as you said, from um, early childhood all the way through post-secondary, and I want to emphasize into the workforce. So workforce is a key piece in my future NC. We also want to break down the silos and make sure that we're using all of our educational resources in the state and agree, uh, toward an agreed-upon plan. Right now, we have great resources, but everybody's working within their own silo. How do we break down those silos and create a comprehensive plan? Right. And then we want to bring the public in. How do we raise a public awareness and engagement? So this needs to happen at a community level. We can create a statewide plan all day long, but it is where the communities where this is going to happen, right. and we need the community buy-in. Right. Well, uh, Dale, that's I mean, what she just mentioned about the public. I think you've been participating. There have been some um, some um, public events. I mean, one of the things that um, uh, one of your your co-chair uh, Margaret Spelling said recently that we're North Carolina stands um, largely alone. There's I think of five other states that don't have uh, a goal, sort of stated goals. Mm -hmm. Um, why is having a goal important, sort of having a, a, a stated goal? I mean, maybe that's an obvious question, but why is that important? Well, I think it's important because uh, you, you can't measure things unless there's a metric. And so having a, having a stated goal, having a benchmark that we shoot for, I think it will give us uh, sort of the opportunity to measure our, our results and, and measure our success. One of the things I think we're interested in is being accountable. At the end of the day, you know, we, we've got this ambitious goal, we've got ambitious plans, uh, we want to put out a, a, a goal that people can measure, and then people can hold us accountable to say, did you deliver on what you said you would deliver? And we want to be able to hold others accountable for that. Uh, so I think that's the importance of having a goal. We're one of a handful of states that d doesn't have an attainment goal. Certainly we believe we need one, and that's the, the goal we have as a commission. Is That's one of our goals, is to try to make sure that we achieve and have an attainment goal that we all can see, we all can measure, and we all can sort of be held accountable for. Okay. Christy, you, um, you just mentioned a minute ago about the um, sort of the the education component being such a part of it. We've got um, uh, a series of graphics that, um, that My Future NC has been using to talk about sort of the changing nature of sort of what it looks like today, sort of where our high school says. So maybe mm -hmm. you can walk us through that. We're going to pull those up on the screen. Because okay, I, I think it's helpful for our viewers to sort of understand sort of what, because these are their kids. I mean, this is, this mm -hmm. is them and, and their children. So let's take a look at that and tell us and sort of uh, tell us a little bit about it. Absolutely. So in North Carolina, for every 100th ninth grader, 87 will graduate on time, 72 intend to either go to college, enroll in the military, or join the workforce, but only 30 will graduate with an associate's or bachelor's degree within six years. So there's a couple of things in that data point that we want to peel apart. One is the intention. So we do have ninth graders that have intentions of seeing their future. But when we see where it, what they are able to uh, attain, you know, can they get to their end goal, 
we're not seeing all of that. So from 87 to 72, we have a gap of um, students that have no intentions whatsoever that we need to address. Right. Then from the 72 to the 30, you know, that is a big drop of people that have intentions and then are not able to complete. I think as a educational systems, we need to look within our systems and to see what are the barriers that are existing that we can eliminate in order to create a more seamless transition for students. Do you think we've done enough as a state to, to eliminate barriers? I mean, this, I mean, clearly that's a problem. Because I mean, it's not like it's, it's obviously the, we have students who, who have bigger dreams, but they're not able to fulfill them. Are, we, are there yeah. barriers that are there that we haven't um, figured uh, out yet? Well, I think there are. I think it's... Um, you know, it's analogous to uh, sort of a manufacturing facility. Think about you're trying to build a product. You've got three different plants, and those plants are in silos that really don't talk to each other very well. And so think about if you're trying to move that product through those three plants and hope it comes out at the, at the end um, in, a, in a good fashion, the best fashion it possibly can, unless there's cooperation, unless there's communication between all those plants, in our case, all the divisions within education, then there's, there's very little chance you're going to get the best product you possibly can. So I definitely think that communications, you know, the seamless nature of moving within K-12 to, to community college, to higher education, all that needs to be much better than it is today. The other, the other thing I think we've not done a great job of is incorporating you know, parents into this equation. We talk a lot about students, we talk about educators, we don't talk enough about parents and helping parents understand their duty or what their expectations should be and how they should help their students navigate through these education years. That's another goal I think we're trying to accomplish here is to in incorporate, you know, sort of an all-inclusive, you know, model that uh, not only moves these, you know, kids through the education system in a seamless way, but also brings out outsiders that, such as parents in and educates them on what the potential is for their kids. All right now, the, but we're, we're going to take a, a break in here in just a moment. But I want to ask you, Christy, real quick, if I can. There's uh, my future NC, but there are several other commissions that are in task forces underway. The Governor's Commission on Access to Sound Basic Education, General Assembly's looking at school finance reform. Is there intention or plans? Um, you know, you talk about silos. We don't want to have uh, a exactly. lot of commissions in silos either. Is that something that um, you guys have an eye on? We are, and uh, the good news is we are talking. Uh, the idea is that My Future NC uh, wants to lift up all of those ideas. Each one of those commissions has a very specific goal. And My Future NC is more broad, comprehensive, this idea of what are we all aiming for and making sure that what um, results from those commissions can be seen within the overarching plan that we want everyone to um, you know, reach toward. All right. Well, we're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, I want to talk a little bit more about sort of workforce needs and skills and also uh, talk about sort of the, uh, as we get into higher education issues too. So, but before we go to break, see if you can answer this question. In 1970, only 19% of North Carolina adults aged 25 to 64 had any post-secondary education six percentage points less than the national rate of 25. What was that percentage by 2014? Welcome back to Education Matters. Did you correctly answer D, 63%? Between 1970 and 2014, the percentage of North Carolina adults with some college rose from 19% to 63%, which now sits slightly above the national average. 
Now we're going to continue our discussion about My Future NC with Christy Teske, the Executive Director of the Commission, and Dell Jenkins, uh, co-chair of the My Future NC Commission. So I do I want to sh um, ask you a couple questions. Um, one area that has been, well, it's been criticized, or sort of at least questioned about, um, not about this commission, but also others, is the issue of poverty and the impact. I mean, you, you, I think you, uh, you were just in Elizabeth City this week. Eastern North Carolina, historically, if you, you, know, you grew up here, um, has, has, has been um, uh, an area that has lagged the rest of the state for a long time. But there, there is, is this something that, I guess, and I'll ask both of you, is this something that um, uh, you're aware of, this sort of, you know, there's a, you can have more communication between community colleges, and all, but uh, is there a concern that we also need to make sure we're understanding the impact of poverty on our, on our citizens? I, I think that's a very important topic. You know, certainly one of the reasons that I wanted to get involved with this commission is because we have an income inequality gap in this country. Um, and if you, there's, there's lots of documentation that would support that. And clearly one of the issues behind that is the disparity in education. So uh, we're, what we're trying to do is make sure every kid in North Carolina has an opportunity to have, have an edu education. So um, I, I couldn't agree more. It's, you know, education also is, is a broader topic than just what goes on in the classroom. Right. So it becomes much more uh, important what goes in the home, what goes on in the community. So that's the, that's the goal also that we have is to look just outside, not just in the classroom, but look outside the classroom and, and, and talk about what are the issues that are going to be important really to holistically educate a child so that they can find, them, find, find their way out of poverty. Right. Christy, you, you, you mentioned a couple of the things, you, like you mentioned the silos and, and some of the mm -hmm. lack of the content, but are there, some, are there some biggest challenges that are kind of already apparent? I mean, that you already, I guess maybe the commission already knows, or at least you're, it became pretty great. So, so what are some of those sort of common challenges that you think, all right, we, we're going to probably end up having to do something here? Right. I, I think to build off of your, uh, the question you just asked around poverty, is our demographic shift that we're seeing in our, in our younger populations, in that zero to five population, you're seeing a higher percentage of low income. It happens to be a population that we have not done a great job in educating when we think about the education all the way to and through. When we see the gap and disparities, we see those by income and we see those by race. So we do need to address all of that. I think coordination and not just within the education system, but with other systems like health and human services and making sure that education systems can educate and that we can also look at the whole child issues because of partnerships with other uh, departments within communities. And I think that is important. This idea of information, transparency, accessibility, all of that is coming up in everything that we're hearing in our listening sessions right now of challenges of uh, if it's college access, if it's access from preschool to kindergarten, um, making sure that uh, students get really from that one place to the other. Uh, we underestimate the importance of making sure that uh, the communication lines are open, but that students and parents, going back to what Dale was saying, very important that they are aware, they're engaged, and that they're part of the solution and not just told what to do. That's a good point. Mm -hmm. Dale, as a, as a business leader, you're a CEO of a, a large company, you and I were talking right before we started about um, the skills gap. Uh, right. Nation at risk. I mean, it's been more than 30 years, so I guess, I mean, in some ways it feels like we, we keep saying we're a nation at risk, but it's also been 30 years and we've been saying that there's businesses can't find skilled workers. Yeah. And so I guess as a business person, do you see that? I mean, is that I'm talking to, 
I guess, your peers, and is, is this part of sort of how is that going to inform um, this work of the commission? I think that is a really big issue. Um, I chaired the North Carolina Chamber in 2016. One of the top issues that CEOs and businesses were facing all across our state was the inability to find qualified workers. If you, if you read the headlines, you know, Amazon is looking for a, a new headquarters. What, what are they looking for? They're looking for 50,000 skilled, skilled laborers. Uh, Apple is looking for skilled laborers. You know, Toyota Mazda, when they were looking to come to North Carolina, they were looking for skilled workers. So without question, you know, our economy is going to depend on having that workforce that is trained and able to take those jobs in the future. You know, we, we look into the future. Futurists are saying today that if you look at 2030, there's a great number of jobs that haven't even been created yet. We've got to anticipate what some of those issues are going to be in terms of the training that's going to be required. And as a business community, we've got to engage with education. I think that's one of the missing links that we've had over the years is that we in the business community have just sat back and sort of accepted the product that the education system has sent to us. And in some communities, there's been a good linkage between some companies and particularly community colleges about technical training. But for the most part, the business community has been accepting of the mm -hmm. fact that we've been getting students that may not be as qualified as we need. We have to engage more. We have to get our roll up our sleeves, get in the trenches, work with educators so that we can solve that workforce gap. It's critical for our state. It's the right thing to do for our citizens. Like you said, not and not just point it out, but get involved, right? right? And do right. some things. And not just in the older populations in post-secondary, but also younger in elementary and middle school as well. All right. Well, so what does success look like to you? I think if we can get a comprehensive plan that is agreed upon. So we have all of the key stakeholders, leaders, players from across the state at our table. Can we agree upon uh, a post-secondary attainment goal and the benchmarks and targets from preschool all the way through that align? And can we get the workforce uh, in agreement with that as well? So that's, that's the first thing. Uh, the next thing is, uh, will communities support that? Uh, as well as our legislature. You know, when we say a statewide goal, um, we aren't, this isn't owned by anyone right, right now. We get that question right. you a can't, lot. You can't dictate it, right? <laughs> That's so. right. Uh, no one owns this process right now. It is the state's process. And so then how do we make sure that it, um, it becomes owned by the state at large. Right. And so that's a it's a big goal and one that we keep shooting for even as we're planning right now. Well, good luck with everything going forward. We'll, we're going to keep checking in with you. We want to find out. And also, when we go to commercial, uh, people who are watching will be able to see how they can engage and, um, and get involved with you. So thank you for coming today. Thank I you. appreciate it. Thank you very much. After the break, this week's Leadership Spotlight. Each week, Education Matters spotlights individuals demonstrating exceptional leadership in education in North Carolina based on nominations from UR viewers. This week, we spotlight Elaine Franklin with the Keenan Fellows Program. Keenan Fellows Program is for practicing teachers. It's a teacher professional development program. We're trying to recruit 
teachers into the program who aspire to have a greater impact. We know that they're having a tremendous impact in their own classrooms and they are already considering how can I help other teachers um, and how can I have a greater voice in my profession. Probably the most unique thing about the program is a three-week internship that the teacher in a STEM industry or in um, a STEM research setting. It could be in an agricultural industry or it could be with a university researcher. We want those STEM internships to be in their communities. We want them to understand what kinds of STEM jobs are in their communities because that's how they can make it more relevant to the students. It's often not the technologies um, or the research that's happening behind those doors, but it's, it's understanding um, how people work in those settings and how that might be different than how their classrooms are set up. We have lots of teachers who come back and say, I'm reorganizing my classroom based on what I saw um, in my internship and I'm teaching differently. I'm teaching more in teams now because we hear that collaboration is important, but when I went into Biogen or um, you know the Mertec, um, wherever they were doing their internship, they saw how those teams work together. We know that there is a, a tremendous gap, a tremendous workforce gap in STEM, and um, we believe that we can make a difference in filling that gap, but that has to happen by kids understanding um, how science, technology, engineering, and mathematics, what that means in the workplace, and, um, and how they can get there, and why they would want to get there. It's given them the confidence to be able to, to reach out and do some things that they might have hesitated to do before. The word empowerment comes up a lot, that they feel empowered to make a difference. A lot of them have become interested in advocacy and advocating for policies that are good for their students and good for education. This isn't an end point for them. It's almost like an entry into growth, into being, um, I'd like to call it the extreme education professional. And that's what I think that they become. If you know someone that deserves to be recognized, please visit our website, ncforum.org, and click on Education Matters, and you'll find a link to nominate someone in your community. After the break, this week's final word. The goal of My Future NC is both ambitious and laudable. As a state, we should have goals for education and be working together towards them. There have been periods in our state's history where we were pulling in the same direction. In the 1970s, for example, North Carolina began a series of bold education policies and investments championed by our state's leaders, Democrats and Republicans. We pushed together for things like full-day kindergarten, then early childhood programs. We raised standards for students and for teachers, but we accompanied that with real investments in teacher pay and professional development. We invested in community colleges and all aspects of higher education and we supported infrastructure for public schools through things like bonds. Thanks to those investments, we led all states in NAEP achievement gains in the 1990s. We led the Southeast in fourth and eighth grade math scores and posted the largest gains and sharpest reductions in the achievement gap of any state over this period. North Carolina also became the first Southern state to achieve above national average scores in both reading and math. I'm hopeful that efforts like My Future NC and others, like the Governor's Commission on Access to a Sound Basic Education and the Joint Legislative Task Force on Education Finance Reform can identify key goals. But those task forces and commissions need to be talking to each other. 
Surely we can find common ground in areas such as universal access to early childhood education, adequately and equitably funding our public schools, and paying teachers and school administrators like the professionals they are. North Carolinas have just demonstrated in the past that they believe in the strategy that a strong system of public education translates to strong economic growth. There's no reason we can't do that again. That's it for this week's show. Thanks for watching, and we'll see you soon.